Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we're going to react to the San Francisco 49ers 31-17 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals in week number eight of the NFL season. The Niners fall to 5-3 on the year, now have a three-game losing streak, and are two games behind the Philadelphia Eagles for the NFC Conference number one seed and weirdly enough are now number two in the entire NFC West behind the hated Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this is the longest losing streak since what, 2020? This feels as if San Francisco was sitting back with no answers to how to answer the questions that face them. Uh, I want to say off the top that I believe in Kyle Shanahan. I believe in this roster. I believe in Brock Purdy. I believe in this defense. They've done too much over the course of the past, what, three, four seasons to have us just bail now. But I will say this. There are some troubling things, and we'll dive into them on this show and in this podcast. We'll dive into what is going on with the defense, what's happening with Brock Purdy, and how San Francisco can uh, get right after their bye week, which right now is much needed, again, with their three-game losing streak. Uh, but just to tip off the show, to kick off the show, I want to say this, that uh, the Niners' record without Debo Samuel, when he plays over 10 snaps, so when he does play over 10 snaps, they're 45-19. and 19. When he doesn't play 10-plus snaps, they are 8-11. and 11. The difference this year <laughs> is that when you have an ascending or assumed ascending Brandon Ayuk and a George Kittle and a Christian McCaffrey and a Kyle Shanahan and a team, an offense that have put up 30 points a game, uh, you would expect they can survive without Debo Samuel and Trent Williams. Um, we've gotten the answer. Uh, it's a no. This team right now cannot survive without Debo Samuel, without Trent Williams. They need these guys back badly. Uh, Debo Samuel is not guaranteed to return after the bye week, folks. Um, the hope is there. San Francisco wants it to happen. Uh, Debo Samuel wants it to happen. But knowing the fact that this team has a losing record by a large margin, now 8-11 without Debo Samuel is certainly a cause for concern. Knowing that Brandon Ayuk has been okay. Kittle was amazing against the Bengals, and Purdy has been rather mediocre the past three weeks. Uh, but going further into this, the San Francisco 49ers, the 2023-24 San Francisco 49ers, are the first team since the 2016 Minnesota Vikings to start a season 5-0, then lose their next three games. Okay, Of the four previous teams to do so, the 2016 Vikings missed the playoffs. 2009 Giants also missed the playoffs. The 1997 Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost in the divisional round, and the 1989 Rams lost in the NFC title game. San Francisco has not put themselves, or they had put themselves in a position to succeed, to put themselves in the upper echelon of the NFL, the NFC, to make a long run, or at least put themselves in a position to uh, get a number one or, or number two seed. They have since totally collapsed <laughs> and have now put themselves in the category with the Giants of uh, 09 and the 2016 Vikings, who are the last two teams to start 5-0 and lose their next three games, both have missed the playoffs. 
I would like to think this Niners team can bounce back. Uh, in fact, they're going to have to bounce back because as of this moment, as of week number eight on Monday, October 30th, the day prior to Halloween, this team looks like a wild card team at best. Uh, their defense looks like a bottom 10 unit in football, and their offense has scored 17 points in the past three games. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat this at all. This team has played bad football. In fact, the Niners through eight weeks, first five, great, 5-0, five and oh, riding high. The last three weeks, the Niners have simply sucked. <laughs> um, not playing good football, not playing clean football, not playing complimentary football. Uh, we're seeing players be visibly and physically frustrated on the field. Uh, we've seen Nick Bosa slam his hands and shrug in a bad way, uh, not after a sack. Mooney Ward is sitting there tossing his hands in the air. Um, and that's a little league thing to do. You know, what do they say? No, nobody wants a palms up player. A palms up player means that you've given up or it's not my fault. And it does feel as if San Francisco is saying, or their players are saying that, what else can we do? We're, we think we're doing everything right. We're doing things that we have in previous years. It's just not working. Uh, we'll dive into why that's not the case. But with San Francisco right now, their star players are not showing up. Um, these guys are acting like an MLB player who can struggle for a month, which in baseball, you get 162 games to get this thing right. You get, you know, you, you can take a month off and be okay and still hit 280 or still at 260 with 30 home runs and whatever. In football, you can't afford a 15 game or month long skid like you can in baseball. Every game matters in football in the NFL. And in a game where we all hope they can get back on track or at least squeak out a victory against the Bengals and get back at home in front of the faithful and, okay, you lose two road games, whatever, get back home, get some rest, lay in your own bed for a week and get back on track. Uh, for the third straight week, the offense came out flat and the defense got walked all over. It's, I don't want to say a joke, it's frustrating it's annoying. Um, to be blunt, I don't even play for the team and I get angry watching them and I go to bed upset. Uh, I text my fiance yesterday and I go, uh, I'm mad. She goes, why? I go, Niners lost. Six hours later, I said, I'm still mad the Niners lost because the past three weeks, it's a, a boiling up of frustration. This team knows they should be better. This coaching staff knows they should be better. The NFL knows they should be better. The Vikings didn't see this game on the schedule when the season started and said, oh, thank God we're playing San Francisco. The Browns didn't do it, and the Bengals said that's going to be a tough game. All three of those teams have either left Levi Stadium or left the game saying, that wasn't too tough. That's the Niners. They're not who we thought they were going to be. Um, and right now, this team is looking for answers, and I'm not sure they're going to find them over the course of one week off uh, with the bye week. Uh, that being said, there are some good things. I don't want to ignore there was some good things that happened on Sunday against the Bengals. In fact, this defense, who hasn't been great, who a fluffy ninja in the comments said, should we fire Steve Wilkes? Um, not now, but we might need to have that conversation because... Uh, 
And, and, and we'll dive into it in a second here, but it's not looking pretty for his job security. Uh, and especially when you see that I know, anonymous sources are saying this, that, and the other about what he's changed defensively for them. But um, don't fire Steve Oaks just yet. Give him the bye week to see if he can correct things. But by week 10, 11, and 12, if things aren't back to you know what we've seen the past three or four seasons, it might be time to say adios to the professor Steve Wilkes. Uh, going back to the good on Sunday, the San Francisco defense, while wasn't perfect, uh, while gave up their fair share of home run plays and big chunk plays, there was some good. Uh, Cleland Farrell, I thought, was awesome against the Bengals, had a forced fumble at their, their own three-yard line. Uh, Isaiah Oliver recovered it, and it gave the offense a chance to take a lead. In fact, uh, this defense got three sacks yesterday, which has been a, a massive uh, point of contention in the fan base and of the team. Armstead had two. Uh, Bosa and Farrell combined for a half each, uh, then combining for one, so three total sacks. And I do think, again, while giving up 31 points, this defense did give the offense the opportunity to get them back in the game. Um, this defense forced three punts and got one takeaway in a one-score game, and the offense scored exactly zero points. Uh, it's unfortunate because this team right now is not playing uh, complimentary football. When the offense plays well, the defense just stinks. When the defense is giving up points, the offense can't score. Um, and when the defense plays well, the offense can't capitalize. This team is not playing together, uh, not just as a D-line or linebackers or secondary, as a literal 53-man roster. They're not playing together. Wilkes and Shanahan have no vibe, no chemistry. Uh, nobody's feeding off each other. Uh, in previous years... The idea was that the defense sets the tone, the offense can capitalize. Go out there, Fred Warner and, and Nick Bosa. Tails never fails. Go out there and defend the ball first. Get a takeaway, get a stop, and shut down the opposing offense first. Uh, that didn't happen on Sunday against the Bengals, and it hasn't happened uh, the past three weeks or so. Um, you can forgive the Browns game of all of the games in the past three weeks, but the Vikings and Bengals games are just atrocious as to what San Francisco has done on the field, uh, playing against the Joe Burrows and Kirk Cousins of the world. And uh, Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. We saw what an elite quarterback looks like. We have seen now uh, this Diners defense get beat by a third-string backup, a mediocre quarterback, mid-level quarterback, and now the elite quarterback uh, in the NFL, Joe Burrow. Um, he completed 87% of his passes, uh, had 283 passing yards, three touchdowns at a QBR of 89.4. He also ran, again, Joe Burrow, who is 100% healthy, uh, ran for 43 yards against this defense. Um, and Joe Burrow is not relatively mobile. He's he has the ability to skip the pocket, extend plays, but he was running like a mobile quarterback against this defense uh, yesterday at Levi's. He looked like a top echelon uh, mobile quarterback against what is supposed to be, on paper at least, one of the better teams at stopping mobile quarterbacks uh, with Fred Warner and Greenlaw and company on the field. He was throwing dots left and right. It felt like he had all day to throw. Um... Joe Burrow was simply just freaking awesome. 
Um, when you talk about a team like the Bengals, who were three and three coming into this week, uh, finally healthy for the first time, for Burrow to pick up this team and say, "Look, uh, we don't care what San Francisco is on paper; they're struggling. We're going to go into their house and beat them off the bye week," and they they did. Uh, Burrow was basically perfect the past two weeks. Kirk Cousins and Burrow have basically played perfect. When you're giving up perfect quarterback play against your defense, you're not going to win football games. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It can be it can be PJ Walker, Tyler Badgett, Justin Fields, Burrow and Cousins. You're not going to win games that way. Um, it felt like every throw was on precision, and it just felt like this defense just doesn't know what to do. They have no answers. They, they simply just do not. They're not playing cohesively. The defensive line isn't helping the secondary. The secondary isn't helping the defensive line. The linebackers can't coverage. They can't tackle worth a damn. Uh, this defense is just playing piss poor, really crappy football. Um, there was a play in this game from Joe Burrow that kind of just exemplified how good he was yesterday. Um, there was a play where was, I think it was second or third down, the drive to ice the game. Burrow finds Chase on the left sideline over Gibson and Lenore. Toe drag first down to ice the game perfection. And just you look back and you say, Jesus Christ, <laughs> like we're not winning today. These guys are in their bag and we're out there sitting there with bags on our heads. Uh, it just, it's a bad, the Niners, the Niners had three games in a row where had they beaten the Browns and escaped with the win, had they beaten the Vikings and lost this Bengals game, I can say, okay, it's one game, we're sitting here at seven and one, no big deal, bye week next week, we'll get back on track. Now you've lost three games in a row and you have to get back on track. You're playing the Jaguars and the Buccaneers and Seattle, then Philadelphia and Seattle, um, that's a tough stretch of five games, and if this team continues to play the way they are now, um, they could lose four of those five. Now, I like to think they'll bounce back, but you have to be honest here. With the way this defense is currently playing, and it's not to be doom and gloom or just, you know, say this team stinks, this team can certainly bounce back and get back to who they were uh, under Ryans and Sala in the past couple years, but the way they're playing, they're going to give up 30 against Jacksonville. They're going to give up 17 or 20 against the Buccaneers. They're going to give up 30 against Seattle and Philadelphia. And the way the offense is playing, they're not going to score 20 against those opposing defenses. That's how badly this team's playing currently. Um, the past two weeks against Kirk Cousins, who tours Achilles, hope it gets healthy. Kirk is one of the best guys in football, one of the best people in football. Sitting on the cart, clapping and cheering on his team as he you know, thrives in pain uh, on, on the sideline. Just awful for him. Hope he gets healthy in a contract year. But anyways, Cousins and Burrow in this game the past two weeks. Uh, 63 for 77, completing 81.8, 82% of their passes, 661 passing yards and five touchdowns. Again, this defense is allowing opposing quarterbacks to play as close to perfect as you can without being perfect. You're not going to win. You're not, I don't care who you're playing, you're not going to win uh, letting that happen on Sundays. Um, this defense also, in previous years, you never had to worry about missing tackles, or if it was a, a bad tackling game, the next week they'd miss one or two. Um, this team missed 13 tackles against the Bengals yesterday. Um, 
Joe Mixon, who is not having an amazing year and really has lost a step, they made him look like an elite running back again. He was running through people. He was running through the Dre Greenlaws and the uh, Kauno Hufangas and Isaiah Olivers of the world. He was like shouldering and just pushing them to the ground. And Joe Mixon is fine. He's a top 15 running back, maybe top 20 in the, in the league. They made him look like an elite running back yesterday. Um, this Niners defense has missed 32 tackles. 32 tackles the past three weeks. Over 10 a game the past three weeks. If you can't cover, you can't get sacks, you at least like to be able to tackle. They're not doing anything right. <laughs> like, this defense, if there's a checkbox of, we did this right and that, well, at least we covered in today's game. At least we got a couple sacks in today's game. They're, they got three sacks in this game, I'll give them that, but you can barely get pressure, you're not stopping quarterbacks, you can't cover, and you're not tackling. You're giving the opponent... a. The, uh, the opposing offenses, easy third down conversions. You're, you're giving them an easy second down to complete a first down the next play. Um, you're giving teams easy fourth downs in these games. Everything this defense was known for the past three or four years is out the window. It just is. And it's not just Steve Wilkes. It's not just one player. It's every single level has a problem. Um, I do think, again, the defense had played better against the Bengals at points, but then you dive into the, who the Bengals have been the previous seven weeks. Coming into the game yesterday, the Bengals were averaging 256 yards of total offense per game. That's not great. Now, yes, they've had injuries. Yes, Joe Burrow's been hurt battling through a calf injury, but they came in yesterday in the Bengals in one quarter had already eclipsed 138 yards of total offense. They finished with 400 total yards. When you're talking about playing a Bengals team that you know is explosive, you know what they want to do offensively, you know who the Bengals are, and with the personnel we have here in San Francisco, we knew it was going to be a dogfight to the end if San Francisco wanted to win. We knew the Bengals were going to, like Randy says in the chat, uh, they're clicking on all cylinders. You're right, they are. Like, they have been crushing it, or they came in crushing it uh, against San Francisco. It was going to be a battle to who scores last if this team wanted to win. The difference is, the offense can't score, the defense can't tackle, they can't cover. Bing, bang, boom, you lose by, what, 14 points, two touchdowns. Um, the Niners' defense this year... Uh, the previous couple years, last year specifically, had only given up 350 yards twice. Just twice. Over 17 games last year, only gave up 350 yards twice. This year, through eight weeks, it's already happened four times. What does that tell you? <laughs> this defense is simply not good. Um, through the first five games this year, San Francisco's defense had given up only 10 plays of 20-plus yards the fewest in the entire NFL in that span. Uh, I even said, after five weeks, oh my goodness, <laughs> like, oh my goodness, uh, Steve Wilkes has fixed the biggest issue for San Francisco last year was giving up the home run play. It was helping these secondary pieces uh, be better in coverage through five weeks. Since then, since week number five, they've given up 50. 
15 plays of 20 plus yards, the second in football. Um, when I tell you, and we'll dive into Steve Oaks in a minute, but it's tough to look at this team honestly and say, yep, they're going to be a contender in January and February. Yes, keep in mind, we're only halfway through the year. They played really great for five weeks, really bad for three. The five outweigh the three. The difference is, if you go five and three to end your season, you're 10 and six fighting for maybe the NFC West, if not a wild card spot. Okay, that's not where this team should be. This team should be at least seven and one. One game ahead of Philadelphia or tied for Philadelphia with the number one seed. This team has played down to their opponents three games in a row, and the Bengals came in playing hot football, uh, and it looked like the better team in every single facet of the game uh, yesterday. That being said, let's start calling out some players, and I hate doing this because uh, who am I to call out somebody else for not doing their job, right? I'm sitting here watching the game just like you, covering the team just like everyone else does, right? Who am I to call out Nick Bosa? Well, guess what? We're going to start doing that now because this is a joke. Um, Nick Bosa, the amount of times I saw Nick Bosa, who usually is amazing at setting the edge, making running backs and quarterbacks and receivers have to cut back inside, feeding him into Warner and Hargrave and Armstead uh, in previous years. How many times did we see him not set the edge and let running backs run right by him for a touchdown or, or a huge third down? I mean, you there's a Mixon's touchdown run doesn't set the edge gets knocked over by the left tackle and he's sitting there like oh man like gotta put on my skims like oh like what the heck it's like Nick you are the reigning defensive player of the year my friend play like it the holdout you had is killing you um it's not the only reason but all the talk of oh it's not gonna bother me it's not a big deal and and I bought into that to be fair my concern was never Nick Bosa's body not being right or in shape. I think Nick Bosa's in shape. It's a technique thing. It's a, you're not putting yourself in a position to be successful kind of thing. And that falls into Steve Volks' issues as well. But Nick Bosa, is, is, is he this year's Debo Samuel? A guy who holds out now longer than Debo did, mind you, but holds out, body doesn't get right or technique isn't right. And then we have to wait for next year to him to say, you know, I don't want to put that tape on film again. How about you step up now? There's a reason you're being paid the highest contract of a non-quarterback in the entire league. It's to get sacks. It, it's just to simply set the edge to force running backs into the teeth of your defense to let them tackle. Now, unfortunately, this year, they couldn't tackle anything. <laughs> um, but it's gotten to a point where teams have stopped double-teaming him because they don't have to anymore. And which is surprising because Nick Bosa, despite his flaws this year or his quote-unquote poor play, um, he's he has the third highest pass rush win rate in the league at 23.1%. If I told you that, you'd be like, there's no way in hell. <laughs> like, there's just no way he has that. The difference is he's not finishing. Nobody's finishing. Where's Hargrave been? Where's Drake Jackson? Drake Jackson played 10 snaps yesterday. Gregory, traded for you. What are you done? Nothing. Like, 
the way Nick Bosa's playing is like a mediocre rookie. Drake Jackson last year looks it just all the hope of this guy's going to step up, that guy's going to step up. It, it just it, sit back and we laugh and go, well, that was a joke. Who 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 were we kidding? And yes, you have to give the Bengals credit. Randy Daytona says we played the highest paid quarterback in football. You're right, Randy. The Bengals deserve credit. Joe Burrow was an ass kicker yesterday. They were on their game. Zach Taylor called a great game. They were on the money. The Bengals were in their freaking bag yesterday. The difference is you expect a defense like this and this caliber of a defense, or at least personnel-wise, to be able to punch back. And at times they did, but it wasn't enough. And the offense didn't play well. Um, it just... Nothing really, when the offense plays well, the defense gives up a score. When the defense stops somebody, the offense can't score. That's as simple as it is. Now there's more, and it's not just one thing is the problem. Had it just been one issue yesterday and go, man, that, that one thing cost us. It's both sides of the ball, and it's almost at almost every single level. <laughs> uh, it just really is that bad. Um... You know, how many times the past two weeks has the entire defense gotten to a quarterback, uh, had him just dead to rights, and then Cousins or Burrow escape, and they haven't finished a job? One of the biggest plays against the Vikings, third down, you have Cousins in the pocket. He has like five Niners around him. You can't finish. Burrow, first drive of the game for the Bengals. It's third and ten. You have him dead to rights, and then bing, bang, boom, first down. You have to finish. You're like your job isn't over because you get to the quarterback. You have to finish the story, like Cody Rhodes wants to, right? At, at WrestleMania, you have to finish the job. This team looks like Cody Rhodes, WrestleMania 38 in LA. You have Roman Reigns dead to rights, then boom, you miss him from a freaking Samoan spike by Solo Sokoa. This team is getting Samoan spiked by opposing quarterbacks, Cousins, Burrow. This team has to finish the story. They have to finish the job. It's not enough to touch a guy. Bring him to the ground. Finish it. This defense has been, the past three or four years, trusted to set the tempo. You know, our offense has not been able to do that the past three weeks. They've put up some points, not enough. Too many turnovers, yes. This defense is no longer a, a tempo setter. There's someone who you sit back and you just say, don't give up points, please. <laughs> Where in previous years it was like, oh, we're going to get a takeaway here and a turnover here. It's like, that doesn't happen in a three-week span. This team went from a top five unit to a bottom 15 unit in a three-week span. How does that happen? How does that happen? Like, it's mind-numbing. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. It's dumbfounding. It just it's it's so frustrating to watch how good this team used to be and certainly can still be, just not play up to potential. Um some more players here. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, to his credit, uh, looked less than a hundred percent. But there were obvious plays against the Bengals where he just gave up. He got he over-pursued and said, yeah, I'm good. Not going to chase him down. Maybe he couldn't. Then don't play. If you're going to hurt the team by not being healthy, don't play. It's that simple. I'm happy you're out there. I love Dre Greenlaw. But if you can't chase down a running back 
or you're going to over-pursue and not make up for it, don't play. Let Warren Burks play. Let Winters and Graham and whoever else you got back there play. Let them make plays. He also missed three tackles, tied for the most on this team. Um, I'm also tired of Talanoa Hufunga. Uh, I, I, there was a play in this game, and Hufunga missed a team or tied for a team lead three tackles with Greenlaw in this game. But it's 14 to 10. Bengals have the ball. They're marching. Cincinnati calls a designed quarterback run on third and nine, right? On San Francisco's 49-yard line. Hufunga has Burrow dead to rights. He is one guy to beat. All you have to do is arm tackle him, my friend. And you force a punt. What do you do? I gotta hit the hit stick. Gotta lay some wood. Misses the tackle. Bang. Joe Burrow first down. Now, let's be fair here. The Bengals missed the field goal. The difference is, had they made the field goal, it's 17 to 10. Because you missed the tackle. Because you want to make a highlight play instead of uh, acting like a safety and just swallowing the quarterback up and forcing a punt. Not every play has to be a hit stick. Not every play has to be a, oh, I, I crushed him and you got to flex on him. Just make a tackle, folks. Um, I like Hufanga. He's aggressive. You're, you're going to live with some of those plays. The difference is when your team is missing over 10 tackles a game and you're still deciding to do the hit stick and miss the tackle anyways, it's frustrating. It makes you point you out and say, can you just use your arms, my friend? You're the tongue and tiger playing like a little kitty cat. <laughs> like, come on. Like, I don't want to hear we have 10 picks or 11 picks. We're getting takeaways. You're not playing good football. You're missing pivotal tackles. Like, had that exact play been fourth down or third down in nine, a game on the line, Hufunga does the exact same thing in the exact same situation, still misses the tackle, and the Bengals win that game. The Niners need to almost, in a way, play conservative football. It sounds weird, and they only called five blitzes yesterday. But if you're going to play conservative football, you have to tackle. I'll give up three yards here, four yards here, as long as you can tackle. What was the huge thing against the Rams? What did the Rams do in week number, number three? Five yards here, five yards here, six yards here, five yards here. The Niners said, you can have everything underneath we are going to tackle. And what happened? They won that game by basically 10 points. They had that game in the bag, in my opinion. No stress, no worry. Now you're not tackling and you're giving up everything underneath and now everything over the top. You can't cover, you can't tackle, you can't get pressure. What can you do, right? The answer simply is nothing in the past three weeks. Uh, the secondary, not great either. Mooney Ward, did you know Mooney Ward this year has been called for five penalties? Tied for fourth in the entire NFL. One holding call, a one illegal contact call, and three defensive pass interferences. That's tied for fourth in football. He's giving opponents free first downs, free chunk plays on those downs, on those penalties. Um, this team is still, I believe, the most penalized team in football. So you can't tackle. Can't sack. You can't. You know, you're not great in coverage. You're giving away free plays, and you can't score football. Again, the answer is what? Like the question is, what can you do right? <laughs> the answer is nothing. <laughs> nothing. What this team is doing is almost. 
it, it's it makes you sit back and question what happened to the five and zero team after they beat Dallas. It's like they lost their mojo, like Austin Powers. It was like it got gone. When he's like, my mojo, slow motion, crash on the ground. He's like, no. And you're like, and, and, and we watch this team lose their identity in a glimpse, in the snap of a finger. That doesn't happen overnight. That, that doesn't happen. Had it happened one time and it's one game, you go, whatever. Cool. You lost to Cleveland when Debo and CMC and Trent got hurt. I get that. You're only missing two players. Now, they're two big players, and we'll get to how important Trent Williams is. But you're only missing two players. The entire defense is healthy. No excuse. The defense should still be playing elite-level football, and they're not. Um, Isaiah Oliver, I, I did, and I do want to give him some kudos here. I thought Isaiah Oliver was awesome when it came to tackling yesterday. He had, what, three tackles for losses, had a fumble recovery. He was good when it came to tackling. The difference is, or the separator here is, when you're a cornerback, you have to also play good coverage. <laughs> he was targeted eight times yesterday, gave up eight catches, and allowed 71 yards. Eight targets, eight catches, 71 yards. Bro was perfect targeting Oliver. He's given up three touchdowns, which leads slot cornerbacks this year. Nickel cornerbacks, he is the worst one when it comes to giving up touchdowns. In the past four games, so what is that? That's Dallas, Cleveland, uh, the Vikings, and Cincinnati. He's been targeted 20 times, giving up 20 completions for an average of nine yards per reception and those three touchdowns. Right now, he's the worst player on this defense. There were certain games you can point to and say, well, okay, well, that, that wasn't too bad. Oliver wasn't too bad against the Cowboys, you know, because they beat him 42 to 10. You go, whatever, it's one game, you can forgive it. Okay, whatever. But it's like, man. Like, <laughs> Oliver went from what? One of the better top cornerbacks in, in the slot in football to the worst in a span of four games? And the unfortunate part is, during that exact same span, uh, Demo Lenore, excuse me, has allowed the eighth most yardage among cornerbacks. They have two liabilities out there at cornerback. Like, Oliver can tackle, but he can't cover. Lenore now can't cover. The expectation was to have a bigger-bodied nickel cornerback to play press coverage and jam those shiftier slot receivers. The... Tutu Atwells, the Puka Nakua's, the Cooper Cups, uh, the Rondell Moores, the Hollywood Browns, and company. Those guys who are small, they're shifty, to jam them at the line and to slow down their routes. Oliver, I believe, can succeed there. The issue is, Steve Wilkes is playing soft zone coverage. You're, you're not even feeding into your players' uh, strengths, which... Oliver was a Wilkes signing. He was, I want that guy here. If you can't give me Jimmy Ward, give me Isaiah Oliver. Wilkes coached against the damn guy for a whole year or a couple years in, in Carolina with, with the Falcons. He knows his strengths and somehow is not scheming him up uh, with those. That makes no sense. Like, 
it's not all on Steve Wilkes, as Hufunga and Warner and Bosa will tell you. Guys have to make plays. But Joe Burrow completed 18 straight passes in this game. It was the second most efficient game in his entire career against this defense. What else is there to say as this team, this defense, simply sucks right now? Going from Demeco Ryans to Steve Wilkes has been a disaster through eight weeks. First five weeks, okay. Last three weeks, nightmare fuel. Uh, Ryans was someone who knew how to put his players in a, a place to succeed. Despite knowing there was going to be a, a transitional period with Wilkes, knowing that you go from Ryans, who is, again, one of the best DCs in football, you know, okay, maybe you struggle week one or week two, but you figure things out. Take the Vikings. The Vikings have fired their defensive coordinator and brought in the entire new personnel group group in that secondary. They struggled the first five weeks of the, or six weeks of the season. They had picked things up. That was the expectation. The difference here is, the thought was, you have the personnel to avoid those mishaps, to avoid that transitional period. You didn't have it. <laughs> this defense played so well the first five weeks where maybe the run defense wasn't there just yet, but you thought, okay, if that's the biggest issue, they'll pick things up as the season goes on. They've regressed not just to the mean, but under the mean. This team is playing below average football after being a top five defense in football through the first month in a game of the year. They have fallen off the cliff the past three weeks. Um, you know, Demeco Ryans knew how to plug players in at the right place, the right time. He was an elite problem fixer. If that wasn't working, we'll fix it here. We'll plug in this player there and that player there and we'll make this thing right. He had, take last year. The starting cornerbacks last year were Mooney Ward, um, Mosley, and Womack. After two, three games, what did Ryans do? Ripped Womack out of the starting lineup, put him as the gunner, and put Lenore at cornerback at the nickel. It fixed the problem instantly. It gave Lenore some leverage and it allowed him to play better. Now you have Lenore playing piss-poor secondary defense. Uh, Oliver can't cover anybody. And they, the question is, how was Wilkes going to fix the problem? And I don't think there really is one. Right now, Wilkes has been more of a problem creator than a problem solver. Nothing is working. Nothing. <laughs> um, we did see them play more Cleland Farrell on Sunday. Maybe that's something we see going forward, where it's Bosa, Hargrave, Armstead, and Farrell. And he played well, but you still have glaring holes to fix and Wilkes is not duct taping them. He's not trying to glue them back together. It's like, hey, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I kind of don't know what to do. The whole point of hiring him was to not change the scheme. Was to bring in a guy that was going to buy into what Shanahan and the defense wanted to do. To put the players in positions to succeed. Wilkes has not done that the past few weeks. Wilkes has done the exact opposite of that the past three weeks. There's no excuse. Now, to be fair, I have ran through the entire defense for 45 minutes here. Uh, there's still a whole half of the year to turn things around. But you don't go from a top five defense to playing below mediocre, if not bottom tier, in the span of three weeks. 
something is wrong internally. I'm not sure if it's a player frustration thing, it's players not buying in. I, I have no idea. But if it doesn't change, I can almost guarantee you Steve Wilkes is going to be fired by week 12 or 13. This team cannot sit back here and waste a season like this. This is a year where you're supposed to be a top five offense, a top five defense, scoring 28 to 32 points a game with a defense that can sack the quarterback, get pressure, and play elite coverage. That's what you're supposed to be. The whole conversation was you got better on defense this year. You've regressed not from five to seven or from five to ten. You've gone from number two or three, number one maybe last year, to like 20th in football with a better personnel group on the field. That is not just a player issue. If one player's having a bad year, fine. That's okay. A bad week, whatever. This is three straight weeks of complete just malfunctioning on defense. You cannot win that way. Wilkes has to make a change, and if not, it's time to go. Now, I'm not saying it's now. I'm not saying it's against Jacksonville or the Buccaneers. But if your defense does not figure this thing out, I would either promote Chris Kosarek for the interim and say, it's your job. They'll buy into you. You can put guys in positions to succeed, and then next year we'll find somebody else. But you cannot have Steve Wilkes in that building and waste a year of this defense, and really in a year where you might waste another shot at getting a championship, at getting a Super Bowl. When you're 5-0, and that's, that's the goal, right? The whole goal was number one seed, host our two playoff games, go to the Super Bowl and win in Vegas. Now it's like, you're going to be a wildcard team? You're going to Seattle? You're going to Dallas? You're going to Philadelphia? You're going to Tampa Bay for a game? I don't know. And this team's lost two road games. There's the hope is very little, despite there being still a faint glimmer of hope they can actually get this thing done now again. Half a year to go, there's still time to improve, but we haven't even talked about the offense yet. Now, there was a lot more good with the offense than bad, in my opinion. Um, Chris McCaffrey, I mean, this man, <laughs> uh, he's awesome. Like, wh what else can we say about Christian McCaffrey? Um, and going back to the defense for a second, my man Randy Daytona says Steve Wilkes was going 5-0 and when Purdy was putting up 30 points. It's a good point, but I will say this, the defense is playing so much better. Anyways, back to the offense. Um, Christian McCaffrey, 18 total touches, 118 yards and two touchdowns, um, tied Lenny Moore for the NFL record with 17 consecutive games for a touchdown. Um... What more do you need to say from Christian McCaffrey? This man is really should be the offensive player of the year, in my opinion. Um, he's been so good. Uh, still the NFL's leading rusher um, and really hasn't played that great when it comes to on the ground the past three weeks. Um, he deserves stars, flowers, a trophy. Um, this man deserves his credit, and he's going to get it here from me. Uh, George Kittle was also really good in this game. Had a couple of drops. I don't want to ignore those, but when you go for 9 and 149, um, I can ignore a drop or two. George Kittle was really good in this game. Um, it, it, it really wasn't like the offense struggled too much outside of really two or three drives. Um, the issue is those two or three drives were killers for this team. 
Um, but Kittle was great in this game. Um, had a handful of great catches, a lot of yak for him in this game, but I really thought Kittle shined uh, when this team needed him most. Uh, the other mixed bag, before we get to the bad, was Brandon Ayuk. Now, Ayuk went for 5-109. and 109. That's really good, right? Um, in fact, all five of his catches were over 15 yards. Three were for over 20 and one over 30. So he was making big chunk plays for this team. Uh, the issue is he still has that one drop. This don't got the face mask. Just, man. Um, if he makes that play, this team at least is down by, what, one or four going into halftime. This team has a shot maybe momentum changes, who knows. It does feel like that Ayuk's drops or um, whatever they are, uh, mishaps, if you want to call them that, they're coming at the worst possible time where this team either needs to open up the offense, he drops it against Cleveland, uh, disappears against the Vikings, and now against the Bengals, has an overall good game, but on a drive where you want to go down and put points on the board before halftime, he drops like a 35-yard pass, 25-yard pass, would have at least gotten them in the field goal range with more yardage to play with. Um, so that's one just bad play, and you go, God, like, we're one or two plays away from being in this game, and we just can't figure things out. Um, without Debo Samuel, the past three weeks, 14 catches on 25 targets, 242 yards. It's not too bad, not too great. Um, I'd rather him just be more consistent. Um, this was his chance for three games to prove he can beat the guy. Um, he didn't He didn't prove he wasn't the guy, but he certainly didn't say, give that man a number one receiver contract money. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a receiver number two money still and top end money that way, but you're not getting receiver number one money on this team. Knowing that we've lost three games in a row with you as our receiver number one, now it's not his, it's not his fault entirely, but it's just pointing out the fact that Ayuk really hasn't impacted games like Debo does for us. I can argue that Kittle and CMC have impacted games a lot more than Ayuk has the past three weeks or so. Um, now going to the bad, um, can I just say the entire offensive line has played like dog, you know what, the past two weeks, um, if not three weeks? Um, Jake Brendel, <laughs> oof, um, he got blown up on just two plays, got shoved back into the running back or Kyle Juszczyk on one play. Um, Burford was just awful again. Um, Brendel and Burford gave up three pressures, three pressures apiece for six in this game. Um, Burford has been just on a freaking island of misery. Just, just awful. Bad, bad blocking, bad run blocking, bad pass blocking, and now is tied for second in the NFL with six penalties. Um, it might be time to start John Feliciano. I also think there was a play in this game where Feliciano played right guard and Burford was playing left tackle, and I was like, what? Maybe I'm wrong or saw it incorrectly, but it looked like that off the replay. Um, it was just like, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, like is Jalen more benched or is he hurt? Again, maybe I'm wrong, but I was like, is, are they going to try Burford at left tackle for a little bit here? to help the right side because McKivitz wasn't that bad in this game. Only run pressure given up. Other than that, though, was everybody else had two and plus. Banks wasn't great, wasn't bad, but wasn't great. Uh, Brendel wasn't good. Moore wasn't good. And, and Burford was probably the worst player on the entire offense on Sunday. 
Um, then, and this is kind of the worst part of the offensive line is the Niners' identity. A Kyle Shanahan offense is by their identity needs to be run first, play action, intermediate passing plays with Purdy having the ability to have an explosive pass here or there. That's why we saw this team be 5-0. They could establish the run. Um, against the Bengals, San Francisco's running backs had 15 carries for 56 yards. That's 3.7 yards a carry. 39 of those came after contact, um, which means before contact, they're only getting 17 yards on 15 carries. So 1.1 yard before contact per carry. Um, that is awful offensive line play. It, it's like they're at a Walmart or a, a, I guess back in the day, a Blockbuster, and you're going through the $1 movie section. How can we piece this thing together? The offensive line is arguably the biggest and most important um, group on a Kyle Shanahan offense. You can dictate the game on defensive line and offensive line. The trenches are the biggest and the best way to dictate a football game and control whether it's the clock or how you want to play offense. This offensive line has not given CMC, Purdy, Mason, who got no carries again. Please bench Mitchell. He's not good, Kyle. He Stop giving him carries. My God. Um, but... This Niners offensive line has not been able to establish themselves. And I get Trent's not out there. We talked about previewing this game. The Niners needed Trent Williams in the worst way back out there. Couldn't play because the angle. And it showed. Um, if you include Brock Purdy's scrambles the past three weeks, they had 25 runs against the Browns, 108 yards. Okay, Against the Vikings, 22 attempts, 65 yards and against the Bengals, 23 attempts and 113 yards. In two of those weeks, that being the Vikings and the Bengals, had a negative EPA, meaning they're a negative rushing offense. With Christian McCaffrey in the backfield and a Kyle Shanahan-led scheme, this offensive line is not doing their job. Now, getting Williams back, being the anchor is going to help them, and hopefully he can stay healthy for the entirety of the year. But this is why you have to have infrastructure. You hedged your bets at quarterback last year. Why didn't you hedge your bets at offensive line this year? Instead, it's Jalen Moore with no backup center, John Policiano, a regressive or a regressing so far Aaron Banks, McKivitz, who's been bad for three weeks and okay for two, then bad again. With Matt Pryor as his backup. Why did you... Look, you're not going to be able to acquire a starting caliber offensive lineman unless a team like the Vikings sell because Kirk Cousins is done for the year. You're not going to be able to... like Teams aren't going to give away starting offensive linemen unless they're just the worst team in the league. And likely, they want to keep that player because they're going to have a rookie at quarterback next year. <laughs> like, you're not going to find a right tackle at the starter, or it's unlikely to find those players. This team right now has bargain bin shopping at offensive line, which played well last year with Williams, and Banks was great last year, and Brendel was great last year, and Burford was okay, and McGlinchey was McGlinchey. But it's like, man, like, 
this team needs their trenches to step up. That's how they're going to win games. Like, man. Like, and again, you get Trent back, things change. But if you don't get him back or if he gets hurt again, this team needs to rethink their offensive line. I think you have to bench Burford. You have to. Just give Feliciano a chance. Burford's young. He can bounce back. He was a mid-round pick for a reason. He got lucky last year and hopes he can get better this year. It's not happening. It was a it was a gamble. It's not paying off. Make the change. It's not that hard to just say, Burford, you're benched. Feliciano, get in there. The difference is, and this is what I would do, hey, Tennessee, can we have Daniel Brunskill back? He can play tackle and right guard and left guard and has even played center for us in the past. You need to have another complimentary, solid backup offensive lineman there. Because if Banks ain't getting it done, he can play there. If Brendel ain't getting it done, who you just extended, he can play there. This team needs another depth piece behind their starting five. And it looks like now that starting five, in my opinion, should be changing to Williams, Banks, Brendel, Feliciano, then Colton McKibbitts. Um, but it's not just the offensive line. This offense <laughs> has, in the last three weeks had turnovers or missed field goals inside Cleveland's 36-yard line, their 23rd-yard line, inside Minnesota's 15, 22nd, 49th, and 40th-yard line, against the Bengals on Sunday, inside Cincinnati's 8-yard line and a 26-yard line. This team has left at least 24 points on the board. At least 24 and if you want to go the touchdown route, what is that? It's two, that's four, that's, that's six. You use seven times six, 42 points on the board if you want to give them the maximum effort here. <laughs> like, when you're leaving at least 24 points and maybe 42 points on the board, you're not going to win games. But if you just make 24 of those points, you at least beat Minnesota and you at least beat Cleveland. This team is not capitalizing on good field position, and when they get inside the opponent's 40, 36, 23, they still cannot put up points. This offense averaged 8.2 yards a play against the Bengals and only scored 17 points. It's the 50th time in NFL history an offense has averaged at least 7 yards per play and only scored 17 points or fewer. It's the first time it's happened since the Seahawks did it in week three of 2021. Like, man, <laughs> this offense isn't scoring in the red zone. This defense can't stop anybody. It's an all-around freak show if you want to do the Halloween, you know, festivities. <laughs> and it's not including penalties. Again, this team is the most penalized team in football. The offense is getting holding calls. The defense is getting holdings and DPIs and offsides. One touchdown against this defense. The Bengals were trying to bleed out the clock in the first quarter. Kinlaw jumps offsides, gives the Bengals a free play. And what happens? They break coverage, touchdown, up 14-0. And you're just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> This is not a hard concept, guys. The clock's going five, four. Everyone's like, don't jump, don't jump, don't jump. And Kinlaw's like, wait, what? Uh. 
jumps and you're like, oh my God, dude. Like, come on. This is not like football is a hard sport, but sometimes it's the most simplest thing that can piss you off. And we haven't even got to Brock Purdy yet. Haven't even got to the QB number one. I do want to give Brock Purdy credit, though, um, for battling through a concussion all week and playing yesterday. Um, I do also hope that the play where his head, the back of his head hit the ground, I hope he's okay. Um, that was horrifying to watch him grab his helmet in pain, and you're like, oh my god, um, did he just get to it? And you're like, uh, and he stayed in the game, hope he's healthy, Hope it doesn't linger. Thankfully, we have a week off to get healthy and hopefully a head injury as serious as they can be. Hopefully it's not too serious. Knowing the concussion he had wasn't too serious, but just seeing him hold his head and you're like, oh my God, like, <laughs> please don't be hurt for a long period of time. We already thought uh, Sam Darnold was going to play in this game. He didn't, thankfully, but it's like, man, like, I hope Brock Purdy's okay, but... Um, I thought Brock Purdy made a lot of really, really good plays in this game. 70% um, completion percentage, 365 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, one fumble, but also led this team with 57 rushing yards. Um, again, I thought Brock Purdy, outside of three plays, really was making great plays in this game. Um, his best play of the day was probably finding Kittle, over the middle, over the linebacker, perfect precision pass, just dumped it into him for a first down, and you're like, yep, that's the Brock Purdy I know, that's the elite level throws he's seen uh, throughout his career, and like, man, like, okay, like, we're, we're getting good, great Brock Purdy today, I also found Ayuk for, again, five plays over 15 plus yards, uh, three for 20, and one for over 30, he was scrambling around, running the football, and making plays with his legs, like, Purdy was doing the dang thing, uh, against the Bengals. Um, you know, it, then you get to the bad. Um, throws that pick in the red zone where even Shanahan himself said that there was supposed to be a running play and there was a miss handoff between him and Mitchell. Purdy kind of panicked and was like, well, Mitchell's open and threw it to him. The linebacker made a great play. That's all you can say. It was a dumb decision by Purdy. And you go like, mm, just... Tuck it and run, my friend. Slide. Get down. Live to fight another day. He didn't do it. A bad pick. And you're like, okay. Then the very next play he gets, what, is the, what does he do? Bang. Interception. And, and we'll dive into that a little bit more here. Um, but after the second pick he threw, which wasn't good, Purdy marches down the field and makes these Brett Favre-esque run to his right, throw a crossbody to his left, finds Ayuk for a first down, I believe, then the next play does the exact same thing, and finds Purdy for a touchdown, and you're like, how are you playing like Nathan Peterman on back-to-back -back plays, and you're playing like Hall of Fame Brett Favre the next two, like, like, what is going on? You're like, okay, like, maybe he's got something up his sleeve, who knows? Um, but it's just like, man, like, we're seeing the two faces of Brock Purdy of, I'm going to force a pass here and make a dumb play, then I'm going to make two elite throws and march down the field like it's no one's business. On the very next drive, you're like, man, like, goodness gracious. <laughs> um, but again, going back to the picks, um, this is the, what, 
third straight week with a pick and interception. This is his second straight week with two plus turnovers, uh, two picks against the Vikings, and then two picks and a fumble against the Bengals this past Sunday. Um, and it's troubling. I, I do think that we need to have a serious conversation about Brock Purdy. When you go through five games and your touchdown to turnover ratio is 11 to 1. 11 to 1, folks. That was elite of a TD to INT ratio, right? With the last three games, your TD to INT ratio is 3 and 6. Um, now you're at 14 and 7 when it comes down to touchdown to INT ratios. Now it's still 2 and 1. It's not awful, but you're inching closer back to Jimmy G territory, which to me is much better than Jimmy G still. I'm not comparing the two, but it's just saying that we're expecting more from Brock Purdy. I think he himself would say, I'm expecting more from myself. But it does feel like he's he's forcing more throws than he has to. I'm not sure if it's, you know, he's trying to make plays and play hero ball, and that could certainly be the case knowing the team is down, or like against the Bengals when they miss a handoff, this simply panicking. Um it just feels as if Brock Purdy has kind of fallen down back to earth. Now, again, I do think that these are going to be probably his worst three-game stretch this year. Um, I do think he's going to play better against Jacksonville and Tampa Bay. Um, Brock Purdy, of the many issues here, uh, maybe it's CMC and Purdy, are kind of the least of my worries of this team. I think he's played really well. Um, uh, Randy says he's the first version of the Terminator. Uh, always been a bigger T2 fan. Robert Patrick for the win. We're going to see Brock Purdy condense into metal and, and run through the entire defense and form back into himself in the end zone for a touchdown, right, Randy? <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, but uh, I do think one of Purdy's biggest strengths is kind of betraying him in the past week or so. Um, Purdy loves to and is one of the better quarterbacks at manipulating linebackers and safeties, right? Um, he'll make you think he's going right with his eyes, then boom, Ayuk's open to his left. Throwing with the anticipation of, I am going to manipulate the secondary linebackers and my guy is going to be open. It hurt him against the Vikings on the Jennings pick, right? Then it hurt him again in this game on his second pick. Uh, he thought he moved that linebacker enough off the receiver. Didn't happen. Threw it right to him. Um, I'm not sure if that's like a, the concussion talking. I would assume it's not. But um, sometimes you have to be able to stop yourself and not reliant on the anticipation. Yes, that's going to win you 10 12 games this year. I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. What I'm saying is that sometimes when you're trying to manipulate the linebacker or the safety or the corner, you got to read the room a little bit and go, maybe I shouldn't do that because the guy's still standing right there. <laughs> and I get it. It's split second stuff. I'm not trying to, you know, say Purdy wasn't good or this, that, and the other. I'm just saying that sometimes you can pump fake, maybe do a little more to to aid your eye manipulation. Um, it just feels as if Purdy, again, at times, for all the good his eyes can do for him, for all the great the anticipation can do, sometimes you make a mistake like yesterday or the Vikings and you just do it too much. Or you just don't see a guy and you're like, that's the Jimmy O no throw. You, you can't make that throw on back-to-back -back plays. It's the second time Purdy has thrown picks on back-to-back -back drives this year. And... You hate to compare the two, but 
one of the biggest compliments of Jimmy was once he threw a pick, he would bounce back and they'd score a touchdown. Uh, you would like to see Purdy kind of tighten up and not not take risks or not not make those big time throws, but um, you would like to be able to see him tighten things up and make smarter plays and not just have to throw with the anticipation he usually does, which again, will win you plenty of games and is going to be, and I think is one of his elite traits because how many times do they stop on replays and show us still frames of Ayuk not even open, double covered, and boom, that ball's in the perfect spot. I'm not saying stop doing it. I'm just saying that at certain times, after you throw a pick, play a little tighter, and the second mistake probably won't happen. Um, I also do think that because defenses have been able to stop the run against us and how bad the offensive line is playing, uh, defenses are stacking the box. Um, and it's not a purdy issue. What I think is happening is because we're seeing the Browns, the Vikings, uh, the Bengals, they're stacking the box, rushing three, uh, rushing four, having five, eight guys in the box. Um, we're seeing Purdy's ability to throw over the middle um, be a lot tougher, whereas he can throw on the posts, on sidelines, perfectly fine. The issue is over the middle has been kind of taken up the past few weeks. Getting Debo back is going to help that immensely. But if you want a franchise quarterback, you have to be able to win without Debo Samuel. Purdy has not been the same guy since he's not been out there. Um, you know, uh, now the conversation has turned, unfortunately, from, you know, we hyped up Purdy for five weeks, said MVP conversation. I was part of that. Um, it's okay to criticize him for turnovers, but also admit that he's young. He hasn't played a full year yet, or this, I believe now he's played, what, 16 games or 15 games, whatever it is. Um, it's okay to have that conversation of, you know, is it smoke and mirrors? Is he regressing? Is this a bad stretch or this is who he actually is? It's okay to have those conversations. What's not okay is to all of a sudden say, if Trey Lance was here, this would be different. Shut the F up. Shut up. It's so annoying to see people sit here and say, you know, put a picture on Twitter or Trey Lance. I don't care who you are, whatever you do. Trey Lance would help this team in literally zero fa uh, facets of the game. Zero ways. Trey Lance would not help this team whatsoever the past three weeks. In fact, and this is not Trey's fault, the reason why... They traded Trey Lance was because they knew at a certain time Purdy was going to struggle, going to have bad games because all quarterbacks do, like Mahomes did against the Broncos just yesterday, and then didn't want to hear fans saying, put Trey in, put Trey in. They knew he wasn't the guy. The Cowboys know Trey isn't their second best quarterback. Trey Lance would have done nothing, and it's not even Trey's fault. I'm not blaming Trey. I want him to have success. Stop trying to make Trey Lance a thing. He's not a thing. Stop trying to make Fetch a thing. He's not a thing. Darnold would still be quarterback too, and Trey would still be there as the emergency quarterback if he was lucky. I like Trey. I want him to succeed. The fan base is just insane. Trey Lance, this team knew he was not going to be successful here. Trey Lance and Brock Purdy's failures have nothing to do with each other. 
Trey has not been here for five, three months. Let it go. Move on. It's dumb. It's dumb. Trey Lance is not going to be a Niner likely ever again. And guess what? I hope it goes out there and wins a damn MVP. Do your thing, Trey. Go out there and win. I wish you success. What this team is doing in their three-game skid would have not changed had Trey Lance been on the field or not. It would not have mattered. Move on. Let go of the fantasy of him being better than any quarterback on this team currently. Shanahan didn't believe it. The team didn't, team didn't believe it. Nobody believed it here after watching him for three straight off seasons. Nobody believed it. Move on. He's not a Niner anymore. Move on. It's a dumb conversation to have. It's a dumb thing to tweet. Stop doing it. Brock Purdy is this team's starting quarterback. He's not played great. He's not played poorly that much. Turnovers have to get fixed. No doubt about it. This team has to play better on defense in every single facet. Trey Lance is not going to fix that. He can't cover. He can't play DB. He can't get sacks. He can't get pressure. He can't block. Forget Trey Lance. Move on. It's a dumb conversation. It's a dumb point to discuss. And again, Trey, go kill it somewhere else. Not Dallas, but kill it somewhere else. Let it go. Be like Anna and Elsa. Let it go. Freaking Frozen 1. Let it go. It's okay. Brock Purdy's this team's starting quarterback. He has to play better. This team has to find its identity again. Find themselves again. They have one week to figure this thing out with the bye week. Whether it's making trades, I have no idea who that's going to be, if that can even happen. But let Trey Lance go. There are bigger things to worry about, bigger bigger fish to fry than, well, Trey Lance was here. This team has to fix the defensive line, fix the coverage, start tackling, start blocking, start playing San Francisco 49er football again. You have to let it go. This team has let it go. They've moved on. So should you. It's over. It's done. It was done three months ago. Let it go. This team is eight weeks in. They're five and three, and they have to get back on track. Jacksonville in two weeks. Trade deadline tomorrow on Halloween. That's the focus. They have to win. They're five and three. Second place in the NFC West. Now the sixth seed in the NFC playoff picture. That's not acceptable. It's not right. They have to figure this thing out. Games against the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals are unacceptable. The focus is on Jacksonville and finding themselves again. They cannot waste another year with this roster. Things need to change. I believe they will. Move on from Trey. We were in the 2023-2024 season, and we're still saying, Trey Lance's preseason stats were this. Let it go. Let it go. It's okay. <laughs> Let it go. I, for one, want to see Purdy get back to who he was weeks one through five. I think, and I believe they will. You get Trent Williams back. You get Debo back. This offense starts to hum. They can start running the ball again. The defense plays better, and we're right back on track. This team has a chance to either falter and lose against Seattle, Philadelphia, and Seattle again, or they can shock the freaking world and find themselves and kick them in the teeth and fight their way back on top of the NFC playoff picture. That's my hope. 
That's the aspiration, and I believe this team that was 3-5 and five two years ago and 4-4 four and four last year can do it again. Believe. Be faithful on players on this team, not others. It's not that hard. It's pretty simple. We're going to fight. We're going to try and kick Jacksonville's ass in two weeks. And we're going to be 6-3. and three. Get back on track. Then beat Tampa Bay. Then beat Seattle. Then Philadelphia. Then Seattle. That's the hope. That's the goal. And I believe this team can get it done. Okay, folks. Over an hour want to thank you for watching and listening. want to ask you to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube. And if you're listening on the audio version of the podcast, like, share, and subscribe there as well. I um, want to thank you again for watching on YouTube, the live stream. Big numbers the past few weeks. A big thank you from me to you. want to ask you to follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the, the Twitter. Uh, 49ers dot access is the Instagram Follow us on there. Over 22,000 combined followers. Keep those things growing and build the community we have here and on social media. Also, a bye week, but still sports happening. If you want to go to any football game, baseball game, NBA game, whatever game you want to attend, use our promo code 49ersaccess, 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase again it's a bye week folks relax sit back drink some iced tea happy halloween tomorrow hope you have a great time if you got kids go trick-or-treating if you're doing a fall fest go have some fun be safe please be safe the world is crazy but happy halloween i'm gonna sit on my couch with my fiance and we're gonna watch hocus pocus and some horror movies and have a great time Hope you do the exact same thing with your family and loved ones. Again, happy Halloween. Enjoy the bye week and stay tuned for more content. My name is Sterling Bennett. Same thing. Thank you for watching, listening, sharing, subscribing, and leaving that review. This has been the Ford and Access Podcast. Until next time, stay faithful.